everyone. The episode you're about to hear was recorded while the SAG-AFTRA strike was still happening. Thankfully, that is over now. Really, really thankfully. But you will hear us talk about life on the picket lines and not talk about some of our guests' specific projects. Right. Also, this is our last episode of the year, so we just want to take a moment and wish you a happy holiday season and sincerely thank you for listening and supporting our show. And speaking of supporting the show, a great way to help support the show that costs nothing is to give us a great review on your favorite podcast platform. As you know, at the end of every episode, we read a review and, well, we're running low on new ones to read. So please, Mm. if you like the show, let people know about it. It helps an awful lot. Don't let us run out, please. (laughs) And now, the show you like, take it away, me! real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself! Hey, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we quiz the smartest people we know and find out why they love what they love. I'm Helen Hong, and now from the Lyric Hyperion Theater in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you so much, Helen. Thank you, everybody. What a lovely and loud crowd. We love it. Helen, how are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm very well, and I'm excited because this is our first time at this uh, new venue for us yes. uh, here in Silver Lake at the Lyric Hyperion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you were telling me before that uh, this is not your first time performing here. No, no. They have comedy shows here and various uh, different kinds of performances here. So I have been to this theater before, and I distinctly remember one time I performed here on my birthday, Oh. and the crowd was really excited, and the host made a big deal about my birthday, and I believe we had a DJ. Somebody started playing the version of Happy Birthday that goes, Happy Birthday to ya. In its entirety, which I did not know is a six-minute song. Yeah. I had no idea. I've only ever heard the Happy Birthday to ya. That part is like... 10 seconds of a whole other song yeah. that has nothing to do with the happy birthday to yeah. me apart. And when you've only got an eight minute set, yeah. that really yeah. can cut into it. Yeah, and so uh, and so I was excited and I was dancing, but then, you know, about three minutes in, yeah. when it hadn't even gotten to the happy birthday to you part yet, I yeah. was like, I think maybe we could... Uh, Cut the song. I think yeah. maybe, I, mean, I think this is enough awkward me uh, dancing solo while people are awkwardly uh, clapping along while I was on stage. Well, have we got a surprise for you. Hit it! <laughs> no? Oh, I'm, I'm, told, I'm told we don't. No? Oh, look at the audience is good. Okay, let's do the full six-minute version, everybody. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the always worth celebrating Helen Hong. Thank you. Thank you. Today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they may not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest. Helen, who is up first? He is an actor, writer, comedian, and voice artist who hosts the podcast Getting Better with Ron Funches. It's Ron Funches! Ron Funches! Oh, hi, Helen. Hi, J.K. Hi, Ron. So wonderful to see you. It's a pleasure. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
I, a lot of people are enjoy seeing Ron Funches. I like that. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> yes. Now, uh, some of your recent on-camera work that our audience will be familiar with are shows like Loot, uh, 80 for Brady the film. You've had voices in everything from Bob's Burgers, Harley Quinn, and the Trolls franchise. You've had a lot of success uh, doing voice work lately. I understand mm-hmm. that uh, though when you were growing up in the Chicago area, people would make fun of your voice. Yeah, very much so. I'm sorry to hear that. And yet, uh, is it sweet, sweet revenge to now make a fortune from using it? Yeah, 100% is one of my... <laughs> Absolutely. I think about it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> When you're in the booth and you're like, this one's for you, Teddy. (laughs) I just always say it's sometimes it's the very things that people, you know, point out your differences or make fun of you. Those are the things that you can really turn into your biggest weapons. And I love it that people used to make fun of me growing up in Chicago because of my voice and the way I speak. And now I get to do fun characters. And then those characters bought me a house. (laughs) Yeah. So when will I get paid for having been made fun of for wetting my bed? Oh, that's... No, that's... They were right. Oh, no! <laughs> I also grew up in Chicago. It was a different uh, different neighborhood and a different experience, and I guess I haven't found the, the profit from that yet. Uh, you have a wonderful special that is now available on YouTube called Giggle Fit. Uh, congratulations yeah. on that. Yeah, we got some fans tonight. Uh, in, that, in that special, you talk about how you lost a lot of weight up mm-hmm. to that point. Uh, what, what has been your weight loss journey since then? Because that special was a few years ago now. Basically, I was like 360 pounds, and then I lost 140 pounds, and then the pandemic hit, and I was like, I'm not dying with a salad in my bed. <laughs> so I put on some more weight, but then it's been back. You know, it's always a constant battle yeah. of fun, but I'm having fun with it right now. Been doing a lot of jujitsu. I've been Ooh. cooking for myself a lot, just turning myself to a real catch of a man. Just <laughs> Not that you weren't before, but yeah, yeah the pandemic definitely. That's when I learned that I could eat an entire family size pack of Oreos by myself in about in about six minutes. That, oh, that was... I knew that from eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the show, you talk about being a father, and uh, since then, you've had another child. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand there's a bit of an age gap, though, between the two uh, children. Tell us about that. Yeah, my oldest son is 20 years old. He's mm-hmm. a man now. My, my youngest son just turned one. So. <gasps> Oh, it, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, <laughs> is there a difference, I would imagine, in uh, how you raised the one-year-old versus how you raised the 20-year-old when he was one? Oh, it, most definitely. The, the, the young one has money now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the old one, it was just like, if we lose a pair of your shoes, you don't have shoes. Uh, <laughs> and now the new kid oh he got sweet life he lucky he came out he was smiling at like seven days old he, was like, he, was he like, knew he had lucked into something he was like this bassinet is bougie yeah. i got trolls money here <laughs> This podcast that you do is called Getting Better with Ron Funches. Mm-hmm. On uh, each episode, you share affirmations uh, for the week. Where do those affirmations come from for you? Um, they came from when I started the podcast. I just wanted to find something that could separate me, myself from uh, so many podcasts mm-hmm. and just do something that I did in my regular life. And when 
I would, um, before my oldest would go to bed at night, I'd always just give him these affirmations and just would be like, always remember you're, you're strong, you're brave, you're loved, mm. you know, and it was just something I was doing at home with him all the time. So when I was going to a podcast, I was like, I, that's probably what I should lean in because that's who I am in real life, you know? Is he like, thanks, Dad, for giving me all those affirmations when I was a kid? Um, no, he's not like that. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you know, I would have uh, appreciated the shoes more honestly <laughs> the shoes would have been more probably but he's yeah he's spoiled now and he's got he's just i mean he's truly a kind man he's a sweet guy and that's like my greatest accomplishment of anything is just seeing him 20 years old like i um have my youngest and we're just starting on potty training mm -hmm. and you know he doesn't quite got it yet so he pooped all over the like living room floor one day and I went upstairs to give him a bath and I was just like oh, I gotta go back downstairs and clean up this poop and then when I went downstairs it was already gone because his big brother had cleaned it oh. and I was like there is no way when I was 20 years old if I saw a pile of poop <laughs> that had nothing to do with me <laughs> Little did you know he was down there being like, I am strong, I am brave, <laughs> I, am, I am. Proof that affirmations work. Ron Funches, everybody. Thanks so much for being here, Ron. Thanks for having me. Helen, against whom will Ron be competing? She is an actor whose several roles in film and TV include The Handmaid's Tale and Marvel's The Runaways. It's Ever Carradine. Ever Carradine. <laughs> Hello, Ever. Welcome, Ever. Thank you. Ever, people also will know you from your roles on shows like Major Crimes, Eureka, Once and Again, Commander-in-Chief. And uh, we're not going to talk about any of those because no. of the uh, Screen Actors Guild strike. And you actually have another level of involvement uh, with the strike. Tell us about that. Well, besides just being a big mouth who spends all of her mornings on the picket line, mm -hmm. I, uh, I'm a newly elected SAG-AFTRA LA board member. Congratulations. Very nice. <laughs> And why on earth would you have wanted to uh, run for that office? I, you know what? I don't know. Like, oh. the thing that people don't, I mean, you know, politics are insane. And then just, like, imagine politics run by actors. Like, it's, like, a lot. It's a lot. But it's also, like, you know, this is my whole life. I'm a third-generation actor. I feel like I know a thing or two, and I'd like to have be of service. Mm. It's lovely. I think I, I think a lot of people appreciate that. Sure. Appreciate your service. We talked about uh, the strike. You talked about coming from a show business family. You actually have uh, been able to walk the picket lines with your dad. Tell us what that experience it is like. It was awesome. I um, asked my dad if he would come. My dad is Robert Carradine. And I asked him if he would come to the picket line with me. And he was like, sure, honey. So my dad and I went to the picket line. And he was like just a total movie star like people were so excited to see him and to see us together and then the whole time that we were walking my dad was like who, who are they that guy's never been in a movie who's that guy i was like oh my god dad this is all the people in our union we're all together in this i've never seen that guy in He's anything like, i thought this was the i thought these were the famous screen actors yeah. guild walking the thing no, no, we're all... and then i was like there's free ice cream <laughs> He's in. Uh, well, for those who aren't familiar, in addition to your father, Robert, who is in show business, you, your grandfather, John, your uncle, Keith, your late uncle, David. Uh, you also uh, have a cousin, Martha Plimpton, uh, who is in the business. Mm -hmm. uh, very... We're like gremlins, like someone yeah. spilled water on us. <laughs> That's right. wow. Can't You're like you the White Wayans family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so for a younger generation, think of the Wayans dynasty, but perhaps of a slightly different generation, some movies in black and white. Uh, <laughs> uh, I read that you said uh, it's really nice and really complicated to do the same thing as your family. Tell us about the nice and, and the complicated parts. I mean, the nice thing is, is that I think it's such an honor to do what your family does, and mm-hmm. I think it's really showing them, like, look, I look up to you, I respect you, and I mm-hmm. want to do what you're doing. And then I think the complicated part is like, you know, acting is very unstable. Mm. And so we have a rule of thumb in our family and it's whoever worked last buys dinner. And that sort of <laughs> simplifies a little of the complication. That's a, that's a great policy. I, I also read that you said uh, that the only advice they gave you was save your money. I gosh, they gave it to me so many times. And like, <laughs> I was, it be- was it so that you could buy dinner? Well, probably yeah. <laughs> no. You know what though? It sounds trite, but like actually, it, it's the best advice because if you do save your money, then mm-hmm. you have the power down the line to mm. be able to say no to projects that you don't want to do. And I didn't understand that. I thought that they thought I was going to go buy purses and shoes, which I did. But I also <laughs> did save some money so that I didn't have to do some crappy movie in you know, some far off land that I didn't want to do. I wish that someone had given me that advice and I wish I had a crappy movie to do in some far <laughs> off land right now. That's Helen, we're very happy to have you here though. We, we appreciate your slumming with us. Uh, you've got two kids. Have they expressed uh, any interest in acting as well, continuing the family tradition? It's such a hard pass from both of them that it's... <laughs> I'm just working to like not take it personally. Okay. No, not hard pass. The little one might come around, but the, the older one, no. Last one to ask you about as I was doing research and reading interviews, uh, I noticed that a lot of titles like to make puns out of your name. Like, yes. I saw a lot of articles that were like, she's better than ever. Is ever ready? That mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Uh, do you like that? Do you hate that? Do you have a favorite one? Which I mean, story? is ever ready, I mm-hmm. think was very popular right when I started. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's a little low hanging fruit. I feel right. like they could have done better. But, but um, you know what? I don't know. It's sort of like it, it goes with the territory. It's fine. Now everyone's naming their kid ever. So. Oh, <laughs> trendsetter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey. <laughs> well, the ever trendy, ever Carradine. Thank, Thank you. you for joining I us. Like ever trendy. Ever trendy is good. All right, Ever and Ron, we ask each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work that you know and love. Ron, for you, you said that would be 1990s professional wrestling, mm-hmm. the TV show I Love Lucy, most definitely, and marijuana strains. Yes. So good. That last one is a shocker. Yeah. 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 I mean, it just truly sounds like a great evening. It does. <laughs> As do Ever's topics. Ever, you said that you know and love, oh, also in the 1990s, 1990s supermodels, the movie A Few Good Men. You can't handle the truth. And the 2004 Boston Red Sox. Nothing. Okay, a little (laughs) more of a specialized uh, love with our crowd. One year, huh? It was a big year. It was a a really big year. That also sounds like a fun night, honestly. (laughs) Uh, Later on, we're going to ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It is time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect or incomplete answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic tonight, Mary Lou. First up in Mary Lou is Ron with Mary. Ron, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? It's from Johnson Earls of San Francisco, California. Okay, Bay Area. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, if you'd like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactyourpod.com and click on Get Involved. 
Thank you so much. All right, Johnson asks, while they both are good for celebrating the holiday spirit, what's the difference between happy and merry? Happy and merry. Happy is a feeling that only comes in your childhood. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) If you're lucky, yeah. (laughs) But the marijuana strains, though. Yes. <laughs> or Mary one. Sorry, no, I had to. no, sorry. Please continue, Ron. Well, Mary is a, a festive nature only for use during the holidays, <laughs> <laughs> and, and only for adults apparently. Everyone knows. Yes. <laughs> All right, we've got Ron's answer. We don't know yet if he's entirely correct. Oh, Ever. I am. Oh, oh, okay. Well, Ron knows he's entirely correct. Uh, Ever, if you don't think he's got it just right, uh, you can steal anything you'd like to add or change. Happy and merry. Mm -hmm. I think that happy is something that someone feels personally, and merry is maybe like a group merriment, like it is a group feeling of happiness. A group feeling of happiness. Group activity. Multiple happies. Happies. is All the happies (laughs) make a merry. All happies (laughs) make merry. All right. Well, our audience will be happy. This segment is almost over. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges table for the facts. Here are the facts. Happy refers to an internal emotion. Mm. Merry refers to an external behavior or event. We were both pretty close. Yeah, we Interesting. Close. Yeah, that's put them together. Oh, a high yeah. five from Ron and Ever with each other. Yeah. That's right. Now, to have a Merry Christmas, for instance, is to engage in activities that make the holiday enjoyable for you, like going to a party or getting presents. To have a happy Hanukkah is to just feel inherently good about the holiday, even though most of the parties you go to and presents you get are lame. Helen, how did our guest do? I think I want to give Ever a point and a half. I'll take it. Yeah. That makes me so happy. I agree. <laughs> because you said that happy is something you feel personally, which is an internal emotion. And then you said group feeling. Hmm. I'm on the fence about that. What do you think, J.K.? Well, I think Ron also said about uh, happiness being a feeling. Uh, even though he limited it to children, I think he did still talk about it as yeah, an internal emotion. That's Part true. of my answer was just humorous. Yeah. Yes. That's true. Do we give points for humor on this show? Yeah. I mean, oh, okay. You know what? I'll give you both a point. Okay. Yeah. Point each. Very nice. I'm, I'm feeling happy and merry, and let's do this. All right. Up next in Mary Lou is Ever with Lou. Ever, while you might need either one at a very merry Christmas party, what's the difference between a bathroom and a loo? A bathroom and a loo. And um, I should point out that we're asking for what the words mean, not just how they're used. So you can't just get away with saying, you know, English. English no, and no. American I'm going to okay. say a bathroom mm-hmm. ha- has a bath or oh. shower in it, uh-huh. and a loo would just be a. It could just be a toilet or what you might call a quarter bath. A quarter know. bath. You know, like oh. a, like just just. Oh, n- so you come from money. <laughs> 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 yes, yeah, she's. She comes from more of the second child paradigm rather than the first child paradigm. You got to teach your one-year-old quarterback. Quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Oh, one year old is going to know all Just of the that. facts. Just the, just the toilet yes. part. By the way, Pat Mahomes, I think, is my favorite quarterback. What about yourself? <laughs> all right. We've got Ever's answer. We don't know yet if she is entirely correct. Anything you'd like to add or change, Ron? I mean, there's not much I can change because I, I think Ever's got it mostly correct as far as I would guess is mm-hmm. that a bathroom must have a bath or a shower of some type whereas a loo is just for pooping and peeing <laughs> and that's it but that's what she said but I'm so glad you got more specific yeah. with the pooping 
and the peeing. All right, it's time to flush this segment away. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. A bathroom, by definition, is a room that has a place to bathe. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody... Applause for the definition of bathroom. I love this crowd. (laughs) A loo is a room that doesn't necessarily include a place to bathe, but does have a toilet because a loo is the toilet itself, Mm. a.k.a. a quarter bath. A quarter bath. Uh, That's right. Now, we actually don't know the exact origin of the term loo. It's possible that it was named after someone named Lou, much like the American toilet is named after someone named John, but nobody knows exactly which person named John, though I'm guessing it's a John that people were very glad to see after a long time on a bus. Helen, how did our (laughs) guest do? I think Ever got both parts of that correct. Two points for Ever. Yeah. And what is our score at the end of this round? At the end of that round, Ron Funches has one point and Ever Carradine has three points. But those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. <laughs> Helen, it's the holiday season. You know what that means? It's Bustling. That's right. It is bustling. And in all that bustle, sometimes it's hard to make a healthy full meal for yourself or your family. Well, guess what, folks? You can fuel up fast with chef-prepared meals from Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. That's right. Factor is so good. It is. Oh, think about this. Meal planning, grocery shopping, chopping, prepping, cleaning up. Skip all of that by getting Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals delivered to your door. They're ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. Choose from more than 35 chef-crafted meals every week that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, whether it's calorie smart, vegan and veggie, protein plus, or more wholesome options. And Factor isn't just for dinner. You can count on extra convenience any time of day with an assortment of over 55 add-ons to suit various preferences and tastes. You can get your quick breakfast items, lunch to go, grab and go snacks, and ready to drink cold pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. Oh, Helen, we have each tried Factor in our own homes. And did we enjoy it? Let me see if I can recall. I loved it so much. You know what I will say? Factor, like I had green beans for some reason in multiple of my Factor dishes. Mm -hmm. And the green beans were like on par with some of the best restaurant green beans that I have ever had. Chef's kiss to the green beans. Absolutely. You know, we say it only takes two minutes to cook, and that's true. It is something that you put in your microwave, but this is not something that tastes like microwave food. This is not something that you would get from, like, your frozen food aisle. It really comes out tasting like a chef made this just for you. And what's great is you can customize it. Helen, I know you don't need beef. I don't eat fish, but you can have your fish dishes. I get my beef dishes, and each one of them is fantastic. I Mm -hmm. I could not believe that these dishes came out of the microwave. And try the green beans and the mushrooms. Mm. Well, you've convinced me. Helen, how do people get Factor Meals? <laughs> Head to factormeals.com slash gofact50 and use code gofact50 to get 50% off. That's gofact50 at factormeals.com slash gofact50 to get 50% off. And that's why we say... Thank you, Factor. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Ron Funches and Ever Carradine. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, everybody. 
All right, Ron, you said that you know and love 1990s professional wrestling, the TV show I Love Lucy, and Marijuana Strains. Mm -hmm. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us why you know and love 1990s professional wrestling. Oh, because it was a beautiful era of feather boas and fireworks and just men <laughs> who wear spandex and glittery robes but then would tell you you weren't masculine anymore. <laughs> There's a fun time of life. I grew up with it. It was the high school. What we would do is all watch Monday Night Raw together and enjoy uh, marijuana strains. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, Ron, tell us next why you know and love the TV show I Love Lucy. Oh, who doesn't? Come on. It's one of the best shows of all time. Perfect comfort show. Anytime I feel sick or I just feel blue is the perfect show for me. Lucille Ball is just... Just a legend in every form and factor that you could think of. Just enjoy that watching her perform. Just knowing all the things she, you know, pioneered the three camera format, Desi Lou Studios, Greenlit Star Trek. What else could I get into? I love, I love Lucy. It's a great show and was so progressive at a time where it's still more than some shows we see today, where they have interracial couples. You have a woman as a lead. You have a woman whose main thing isn't that she's ditzy or dumb, but that she's too smart for her own good and other people aren't backing her up wow i did not expect like a dissertation on i love lucy just now but that was like just perfectly stated thank you thank you she also pioneered residuals with that show i did not know that i learned something wow give it up for 30 cent checks yes (laughs) all right And Ron, finally, you said that you know and love marijuana strains. Yeah, I do. Huh? Uh, Which one are you using now? I like a place called Wonder Bread. They have a lot of fun flavors. They It's kind of a lot like Willy Wonka, where it'll be like, this is orange banana, and you smoke it, and you're like, I just smoked an orange and a banana. <laughs> and then you float off into the sky. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I get disappointed, though. Like, I'll get, like, mango, and I'll be like, I didn't get any mango from that. That yeah. was mango-less. Sometimes they lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so to summarize, Ron, you said that you know and love 1990s professional wrestling, mm-hmm. the TV show I Love Lucy, and Marijuana Strains. Today we want to quiz you about I Love Lucy. Oh, okay. Uh, here's something that I was happy to discover. This is a complete coincidence. Today, as we record this, is actually I Love Lucy Day. <gasps> what? what? Because the show premiered 72 years ago tonight. Wow. We had no idea when we booked you that was the case. We didn't know that this was the topic you were going to choose. So this is a very uh, an extra special occasion. I feel uh, I should also add that Lucy and I have the same birthday. Oh, my wow. God. So it's all happening. Nice. Yeah. Things are happening. It's all coming together. I saw you say in an interview that uh, not only did you love the show, but you said that Lucille Ball was one of your biggest influences overall as a human being. I just love some of the things that she said. I remember a quote from the documentary that um, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler did where she just was like, well, as long as I have a, like, I have a house, I got a pool, I got a car. And she's like, I got the most beautiful Hollywood life. And then I, I just realized and I look around one day and was like, I got a pool, I got a car. <laughs> I'm living like Lucille. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
I can really see that now. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic, Ron, with an expert-level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you'll let a hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Ever, do listen closely, because if Ron answers incorrectly, you can steal. Ever, by the way, how much do you know about I Love Lucy? I mean, I'm a fan, so I, and I know that I have the same birthday. birthday. Okay. Yeah. That's Very important good. stuff. Well, are you aware that your grandfather, John, who we talked with earlier, appeared in a movie with Lucille Ball? I am not aware. I am now, though. All right. It was called Five Came Back. Wow. Five Came Back, starring, uh, yes, John Carradine and Lucille Ball. Uh, sorry, no point there ever. All right. <laughs> Here is question number one for Ron Funches. Okay. I think you might know this one. In 1950, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz began kicking around ideas for a TV show. They created a vaudeville act that they thought might work. They thought about turning Lucy's successful radio sitcom into a TV version. But finally, they developed the show that we now know as I Love Lucy after forming what production company, which they named after parts of their own names. Oh, wow. I thought I was looking for I was like, okay, she's going this way and going that way. Are they going to ask me about the radio show before the thing? What was the name of that? Oh, I forgot. But I do know, of course, Desi Lou Studios, Desi Lou Productions, of course. Helen. That is correct. That is correct. Very nice. Fun fact, as you happen to mention, Desi Lou went on to produce what would become some of the most successful franchises in entertainment to this day, including Mission Impossible and something called Star Trek. Am I saying uh, that right, Helen? Amazing. Star Trek. Uh, thank you. Question number two. In one of the best love scenes from the show, Lucy lands a role as a commercial spokesperson for a product named Vitamita Vegemin. Although it seems to be made mostly of booze, according to the ad copy, what are the four main ingredients in Vitamita Vegemin? Vitamins, meat, vegetables, minerals. Helen? That is correct. In the correct order as well. <laughs> and it's tasty, too. <laughs> <laughs> do you poop at it parties? How much of that can you do from memory, do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like the movie. Are you pop out on parties? Yeah. Are you on Poopular? Yeah. <laughs> that isn't this little loud. <laughs> Are you hot? It's getting hot in here. It's a little warm. Fun fact, that bit was based on one developed by Lucy's friend, Red Skelton, who gave permission for her to use it. You can see his version in the movie Ziegfeld Follies. By the way, the dress that Lucy wore on that episode is now owned by Laura Dern. Oh, wow. I'm going to rob Laura Dern. <laughs> These are recording. I should warn you. We are recording tonight. I'm coming for you, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> You've been having a free ride too long. You can have the house, the pool, the car, yeah. and the dress. What's, what's with all these blonde actresses who have successful fathers in show business as well, right? <laughs> oh, sorry, Ever. Uh, all right, here is question number three. Lucy ends up performing a lot of different jobs during the course of the series, but which of the following is not one of them? Is it candy factory worker, grape stomper, hat check girl, pizza maker, or magician's assistant? I could see her working in the hat check over at the Copacabana, of course. So, and I have two more questions, right? You have three, you have two you more have questions. And those two, my, I and could use hints. my thing. And you I could, could use think. one of your two hints. But you uh, no, I want to hold on hints. to those. So okay. I'm going to say that she was never a pizza maker. Helen? That is not correct. No, oh. I'm terribly sorry. Ever with a chance to steal. I guess I'll go hat check, girl. Helen? That is correct. That is correct oh. for a successful oh. steal. I have to give... Can he have a quarter point? Because he really <laughs> set me up. <laughs> and that really is up to Helen at the judge's table. Yeah, I think you got. I think half a point for each of you. Half a, oh, okay. Very interesting. Yes, a little collaborative effort there. Yeah. 
I believe uh, Ron Alley did for you to oop. Yeah. So uh, remember that when it's my turn. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. She was a pizza maker in a famous episode where the dough landed on her face. Uh, she was never a hat check girl. Fun fact, Orson Welles was the magician whom she assisted. Lucille Ball trained for the famous candy factory scene at Seas Candy here in Los Angeles. And the grape stomping scene is featured in the movie Pretty Woman, which we discussed in episode 91 of Go Fact Yourself. All right, Ron, let's see if you can bounce back with question I'm number doing four. My You're doing fantastic. You do still have two hints available. When the Ricardos and the Mertzes head to Hollywood, they run into trouble almost right away when they get lost in Tennessee and get directions from a particularly unhelpful man at a gas station. What future big-time TV producer played that country bumpkin? Oh, no. <laughs> you could have asked me so many other things about that episode. <laughs> You have a hint. Please give me a hint. Helen, how about that first hint? Among many others, he produced Charlie's Angels and Beverly Hills 90210. Okay, this did nothing for me. (laughs) I feel like I should know, but this is a good time to let you know that besides I Love Lucy and Mm -hmm. Wrestling, I'm not familiar with any (laughs) Any other TV shows. All right. Or any Hollywood thing. I've heard the word before. I've seen like the chairs that say producer yeah. on shows that I work on, but nobody's ever sitting in them. Uh, right, that's true. Yeah. That is true. I have never seen. They're a up and around producing. Yeah, yeah. I never yeah. seen. They're like, oh, okay, you're yeah. producer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do not know the answer to that. You want to just uh, name a person? A producer, sure. Jerry Brockheimer. <laughs> <laughs> that's literally the only producer's <laughs> name I know. At the moment, we do not know if that's correct or not. We are sort of in a, a Schrodinger's Bruckheimer situation. Helen, is it Jerry Bruckheimer? As, I, as much as I wish it was Jerry Bruckheimer and that's how he learned how to blow up stuff, <laughs> it, that is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. Ever with a chance to steal. A, I'm going to say, is it... Um Aaron Spelling? Helen? That is correct. That is correct for wow, another successful that's steal. that's wild. How'd that you one? know that? Well, I watched a lot of 90210. Mm. Well, fun fact, Aaron Spelling appeared here on Lucy's first TV sitcom, and he was executive producer of Life with Lucy, her last TV sitcom, in 1986. Mm. All right, Ron, let's see how you can do with question number five. Okay. You do still have another hint available. Here's question number five. I Love Lucy was sponsored by Philip Morris Cigarettes mm. and featured Lucy and Desi in its ads. But although Lucy was a fan of smoking, she was not a fan of this brand. In fact, she would keep what other brand of cigarettes in a Philip Morris box to smoke on the show. Wow. I know a lot about cigarette brands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Certainly give me a hint, please. Helen, how about that second hint? Its name is used to describe a type of sofa, and in Canada, any sofa. Wow. My ex-wife is Canadian, so I blocked off most Canadian Oh, yeah, just things. Oh, that must be it, yeah. I know what a toque is. Oh, but it's that, a hat, yeah, everybody. It's a, it's a little beanie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, let's just say Marlboro, which is wrong. Helen, is it Marlboro? It is not Marlboro. I'm so, so sorry, it's but okay. ever, ever with a chance it. to steal. Please. I'm going to just guess from the sofa, is it Chesterfield? Helen? That is correct. That is That's correct. Right. Another steal from ever. Damn. Uh as a non-white person, I had no idea the answer to that question. <laughs> I might have been showing some bias by uh, the, the show. Hint, you, so. you know, this happens a lot with standardized testing. Yes. Yeah. 
You did get 200 points just for filling out the bubble. So, uh, fun fact, the very first image and the very first broadcast of I Love Lucy featured a spokesman for Philip Morris brand cigarettes. Decades later, Philip Morris bought Chesterfield. All right, now, Ron, here's your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. (laughs) We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. Ron, in the second season of the show, Lucy gave birth to a baby known Mm -hmm. as Little Ricky Ricardo. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, he really was a littler version of his dad, which you could especially see once child actor Keith Thibodeau joined the show in the sixth season to play Little Ricky. For up to three points, what was Little Ricky's full first name, which was a more formal version of Ricky that he shared with his dad? Next, what musical instrument did Little Ricky and Keith Thibodeau play, which he performed on stage with his dad in multiple episodes? And what song did Little Ricky sing with his dad when the family visited Cuba? Well, it feel like it would be Ricardo, but it can't be Ricardo, Ricardo, right? Perhaps there's another uh, Latin or Hispanic name that has uh, Rick Enrique? Enrique. Okay, okay, interesting. That's, a, that's an answer there. And then what musical instrument did he play? I'm going to guess he played the bongos. Okay. And then uh, what song did he sing with his father when the family visited Cuba? Well, the only thing that I could imagine is that he, they would have sang Babaloo. Okay, great. Well, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight via Zoom from Jackson, Mississippi, is an actor, composer, musician, and ballet impresario who played <laughs> little Ricky Ricardo on I Love Lucy. It's Keith Thibodeau. <laughs> Keith Thibodeau. Hey. Yay. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Hey, you did both great. Wonderful. Keith Thibodeau, it's so wonderful for you to join us. Uh, We'll talk about your work as uh, Little Ricky in a moment, but some of the other things that you've done that our audiences might know you from, uh, you were in a popular band called David and the Giants, which was a pioneer of Christian rock. You were also the executive director at Ballet Magnificat, which is a Christian ballet company and school in your home there. How did you get to be a ballet impresario? Well, I I married a a ballet dancer. Okay. (laughs) That's a good start, yes. Mm -hmm. She's a wonderful lady. We've been married 47 years uh, by the grace of God. And um, she's an award-winning silver medalist in in the international ballet competition that was held in the USA in 1982. And uh, you guys have put together quite an empire there with this Ballet Magnificat. Uh, You've performed and taught in over 40 countries. Uh, You've got this incredible school that you do for uh, young people. What ages of of, uh, dancers do you teach at the academy there? We have a professional company, uh, which we started with, and then we, um, we, we developed a school of the arts and we take them in our school of the arts from three on up. You know, wow. of course, the little ones you just kind of play with them. But um, <laughs> we started a company in um, Curitiba, Brazil. I mean, in 2017, and uh, so we've we've kind of developed a mirror image of what we do here in the USA down in Brazil. So uh, it's exciting to be able to uh, to get out of the United States and go to Brazil several times a year. Very cool. Uh, well, let's talk about I Love Lucy. You were age five when you auditioned, but you were already a professional entertainer. Uh, tell us about the career that you had before you got onto I Love Lucy. I was a professional drummer, believe it or not, at the age of four, playing with the Horace Hyde Show. What? Which was a big band. Um, they had, Horace Hyde had Swift Premium Hour, his first trumpet 
in his band was Al Hurt. Uh, he discovered Art Carney of the Honeymooners. Mm. And I was on his show as, as a four-year-old, pound for pound, the greatest drummer around. <laughs> and uh, we went on hiatus in California where Horace uh, had a ranch in Sherman Oaks. That's when the audition for the Out of Lucy show came up. Yeah. Well, tell us about that audition, what that was like. It was a little unusual. It was. I, I mean, my dad told me I was, you know, th this was a really big thing that I needed to to really do good in, you know, I'm like five years old or whatever. And, <laughs> and uh, so I go on the set. Lucy is there in all her glory, you know, this big redhead lady that was bigger than life. And she looked at me and she said uh, to my dad, she said, he's cute, but what does he do? And my dad said, <laughs> Well, he plays the drums. And so she said, well, there's the set of drums over there. Let him go ahead and play. So I played the set of drums and all the, um, the stagehands came, you know, listening to all this banging going on the drums. Sheldon Leonard, the big producer for the uh, Danny Thomas show and other shows, Joy Bishop show, Andy Griffith show, came over and started uh, listening to this little kid playing the drums. And Desi finally came over, you know, Ricky Ricardo himself. And um, he started jamming with me on uh, my drums, playing my tom-tom, and then finally stood up after a while and laughed and said, I think we found little Ricky. So they signed me to a um, seven-year contract. Wow. Wow. More than, more, more than double the amount of years you'd already lived. It was the, the contract. That's incredible. Totally amazing. I mean, I was, I was in a world of acting, which, you know, I, I really was only a drummer right. you know, as a kid. And then, I, and then I had to sort of transition into a, an acting as well as that. So it was very interesting. And not just acting, but acting on live television in probably the most popular show that there was. It was a groundbreaking uh, show that, that Lucy uh, needed that energy of the people there in the audience. And um, they, they brought in people, and there were about 300 people every, every episode. And um, so it, it was performed like a like a play. Mm -hmm. And so you had to just sort of do it on the fly. Wow. We know you now as Keith Thibodeau. Back then you were credited on the show as Richard Keith. How did you get that name? Uh, Desi actually gave me that name. He said uh, that Thibodeau, uh, which is a French name, I'm from South Louisiana, Cajun. Mm -hmm. And he said that um, that it was actually too hard to pronounce. So he, he gave me this, this name, Richard Keach, which, which incorporated both, you know, the, the character Ricky and mm -hmm. Richard and, and then my name. I remember I was doing, um, you know, I was on the Andy Griffith show. I played Johnny Paul Jason, who was Opie's best friend, mm -hmm. years later. And um, I, I did a, a show with Don Knotts in Birmingham, Alabama. And the guy who um, introduced me, uh, introduced me and he said, uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, please give a great welcome to Keith Richards. Oh. <laughs> and, and so I, I, I walked up, I said, well, you know, I'm not on the Rolling Stones. I, I, I apologize. <laughs> but no, that, I'm not Keith Richards. No, I'm Richard, <laughs> Richard But Richard Keith on the show. Um, what was your relationship like with Lucy and Desi after the show? Because I understand you actually were very good friends with, with their son, Desi Jr., I was, we, you know, we were like brothers and we grew up, spent weekends, summers with them at their different homes. I even spent a Christmas with them one time in Palm Springs. And uh, I kind of hated to do that because I, I really wanted to spend it with my family. But 
you know, Lucy was my boss. And mm. so my dad uh, ended up working for Desilu Studios. I needed to do it for the for the family yeah. and I needed to do it for his job, you know. I imagine there were some very fun moments for you. What, what comes to mind when you think of the happy times uh, working on that show? It was great working on the show. I mean, when I whenever I got to play the drums, it, it was such a treat, you know. Uh, you know, little Ricky plays the drums, the Dixieland piece that mm-hmm. I played with Lucy and then the Babalu thing. But it was, you know, Superman, George Reeves, you know, who mm-hmm. was Superman back in the day. Uh, he came on the show um, in his only role as Superman in his character, right. apart from the series. And um, I thought the guy was really super. I mean, he was <laughs> unbelievable, you know. Another show was the Maurice Chevalier show which was one of the Lucy Desi comedy hours, the later ones. And I got to uh, sing and dance and play the drums in that with Desi and, and Maurice Chevalier. Wow. So that was fun. Very yeah. cool. Well, let's get to the reason we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Ron. First, we wanted to know when regarding uh, Little Ricky, what was his actual first name, which was a more formal version of Ricky? Helen, what did Ron say? Ron said Enrique. And Keith? That's right. That is correct for the yeah. point. Very good. Next, we wanted to know what musical instrument did Little Ricky and Keith Thibodeau play, which they performed on stage with Desi Arnaz in multiple episodes. Helen, what did Ron say? Ron said bongos. And Keith? Yes, drums, bongos. Drums and bongos. That's a point there. Very nice. It worked. It worked. Lots of types of drums. (laughs) And finally, I want to know what song did Little Ricky sing with his dad when the family visited Cuba? Helen, what did Ron say? Ron said babalu. And Keith? Si, senor. Si, senor. Three for three in the cluster for Ron Funches. Ron, while we have our expert here, Keith Thibodeau, anything you'd like to ask or say to him? Well, I just want to say I appreciate your work very much. I enjoy you um, as a child. You got me through a lot of bad days. And then now whenever I feel sick or feel blue, I enjoy uh, going through and watching these episodes, watching you chase chickens around the farm or whatever (laughs) is going on. So I just appreciate you very much. Thanks, man. A lot of people say that. They they say it really helps them in... in, uh, if they're depressed or, or they're, they're sad, they'll watch the Alab Lucy show and they get happy. <laughs> that must feel very good to you, Keith. Yeah, it, it, it's a good thing. Yeah. Excellent. Well, it's a good thing that you joined us tonight. If people want to find out more about you or what you're up to, where can they do that? We have, actually, our, our, our ballet company has a website, balletmagnificat.com. You know, it has our, our, our information, my information, and just, yeah. And, and David and the Giants. Uh, as well, Facebook, uh, we have a fan page for, for our band. It's a classic rock band, a Christian band. And uh, we just I just drove in from West Texas today from a, a concert that, that we did last night. So 10 hours into a tiredness. Right <laughs> well, we, well, we appreciate your making time for us. It's amazing that you continue to uh, be uh, such a performer and bring joy and happiness to people after such a long time. Thank you so much for being here. Keith Thibodeau, everybody. Pleasure. God bless. Helen, I understand you have a scoring update from the judges' table. I am tempted to give Ron an extra point because the Chesterfield question was, I feel like there was some implicit bias there. Do you guys know that Chesterfield is a sofa? No. Oh. I had no idea. You were the judge at the judges' table, Helen. I I would like to give Ron an extra point. Social justice is happening. Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right, another point for Ron. So now, what is our score at the end of that round, Helen? At the end of 
that round, Ron Funches has seven and a half points, mm. and Ever Carradine has five and a half points with a round of questions for Ever coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Ever about a topic she knows about. Plus, later, Ron and Ever will go head to head in our fast fact round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. If you're black, you probably love you some Paramore, huh? Or what about the TV show Golden Girls? Ginger Ale? Daytime television? Don't lie, I know you love at least one of them. I'm Sequoia Holmes, pop culturist and host of Black People Love Paramore. Contrary to the title, it is not a podcast about the band Paramore. Each episode, I, along with the special guest co-host, dissect one pop culture topic that mainstream media doesn't necessarily associate with Black people, but we know we like. Tune in every other Thursday to the podcast that's dedicated to helping Black people feel more seen. Black People of Paramore is now on the Maximum Fun Network. Check out the most recent episode featuring Shar Jassel today. Hi, I'm Jesse Thorne, the founder of Maximum Fun, and I have a special announcement. I'm no longer embarrassed by my brother, my brother, and me. You know, for years, each new episode of this supposed advice show was a fresh insult. A depraved jumble of erection jokes, ghost humor, and frankly, this is for the best, very little actionable advice. But now, as they enter their twilight years, I'm as surprised as anyone to admit that it's gotten kind of good. Justin, Travis, and Griffin's witticisms are more refined, like a humor column in a fancy magazine. And they hardly ever say bazinga anymore. So... After you've completely finished listening to every single one of all of our other shows, why not join the McElroy Brothers every week for My Brother, My Brother and Me. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Ron Funches and Ever Carradine. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, everybody. All right, Ever, of your many interests, you told us that you know and love 1990s supermodels, the movie A Few Good Men, and the 2004 Boston Red Sox. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those for you. Tell us what you know and love about 1990s supermodels. I mean, the 90s and supermodels, like, it was such a time. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, I love fashion, and I... I'm like the type of person who changed twice to come record a podcast. <laughs> so um, they were only a few years older than I was in high school. And I just like loved watching their friendships and them traveling. And they were independent and they were single and they didn't get out of bed for less than $10,000 a day. <laughs> like to me, it was so powerful. Like they just made me feel like. I don't know. Sort of anything is possible. Oh, that's really interesting. I hadn't considered that kind of an angle. Uh, very nice. All right. Next, tell us why you know and love the movie A Few Good Men. If it's on, like, there's my day. Like, I really just love it so much. I love that it's funny. I love that it's about something serious. I think Tom Cruise is fantastic in it. But it's also Aaron Sorkin, and it's the beginning of his career, and it's based on a play that he wrote. Mm -hmm. And I just I just love listening to them talk and you can tell that the actors love saying it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like there's just a rhythm and a beauty to it and and everybody shines in that movie. Yeah, that is very, very well said. Finally, ever tell us what the 2004 Boston Red Sox mean to you. I mean, it's a little long. I mean, 2004 was the first year the Sox won the World Series in 86 years. So that was a big year. But I am married to someone from Boston, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And when you marry someone from Boston... 
just so you know, you also marry the Boston Red Sox <laughs> and you marry the Celtics and you marry the New England Patriots. So I'll just, this is my little anecdote about it. My husband and I were married October 1st mm-hmm. and the day after our wedding, like all newlyweds, we ditched our brunch early and got a flight from Nantucket to Boston <laughs> to catch the Red Sox-Yankees game. No. Oh yeah, 100%. Whoa. Yeah, I was like grabbed a croissant, left the beautiful brunch, <laughs> went wow. to Logan, got to the game and this, we had these incredible seats. We were sitting like right behind Stephen King. Anyway, the Sox beat the Yankees 10-1 and my wedding anniversary is October 1st. So oh. I felt like that was like a little like, come on, come on, Carity. <laughs> come on, Blondie from California. Gotcha. You were not kidding when you said you married them. I mean, I did. You, were, you, I did. you went full on. Commitment. Yeah. I know, I know. Well, to summarize ever, you said you know and love 1990 supermodels, the movie A Few Good Men and the 2004 Boston Red Sox. Today we want to quiz you about A Few Good Men. Do you have favorite scenes or lines from the film? I mean, there's so many, but I think that when Tom Cruise is, he's talking to another attorney, he's playing softball and an attorney comes up and he says, you need to, you know, get to the uh, courthouse because your client sold oregano. And he goes, you know, he thought it was marijuana. He said, what are you going to charge him with? Possession of a condiment? Like, I love that line. Yeah. Um, See, Ron, there's something for you in there, too. Yeah, yeah. possession of a condiment. <laughs> possession of a condiment. You can't handle the truth. Sure. It's like stellar. Uh, you know, he eats breakfast 200 yards from 4,000 Cubans who are trained to kill him. I mean, you know, I, we'll, we'll have something to talk about. Okay, I think, <laughs> we might. I think we might. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with our expert-level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Ron, do listen closely because if ever answers incorrectly, you can steal. By the way, Ron, how much do you know about A Few Good Men? Never seen it. Oh, really? Oh, I got you. Got it. I, you, you're in for such I'm a treat. To you're it. in for such a treat. I think I did one scene of it in acting class, Probably. but that's all I recall. Was it you you're can't like, handle I the truth. It. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah. Was it? Oh, interesting. All right, here's question number one. I have a feeling you might know this. There's one line in the movie that in poll after poll is consistently listed as one of the greatest movie lines of all time. It comes after Tom Cruise says, I want the truth. What is Jack Nicholson's legendary response? And please do it in your best Nicholson impression. You can't handle the truth. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Very nicely done. Fun fact, as famous as that line is, several sources say that Nicholson changed it from the original line in the screenplay, which was, you already have the truth. Ooh. Not as good. good. Not Not as good. good. You can't handle the truth. Right. You already have the truth. No. The truth is within you. Mm -hmm. I I thought the original line was, okay, here's some truth. (laughs) Here's question number two. A Few Good Men has less than a few roles for women. In fact, only two women say more than one line on screen in the film. One is Demi Moore's Joanne Galloway, and the other is Ginny Miller, a relative of Private Loudon Downey, who gives Galloway permission to represent him in the court-martial. What is Ginny's relation to Downey, a title which often precedes her name when she's mentioned? That would be Aunt Ginny. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Does Aunt Ginny have a barn? Maybe we can hold the hearing there. I mean, it's so embarrassing. No, it's not embarrassing. We're here to celebrate your knowledge, and we appreciate it very much. Fun fact, Aunt Ginny was played by Maude Winchester, the sister-in-law of the movie's director, Rob Reiner. Yes, nepotism isn't just about your children. It can be about your sister-in-law as well. Uh, No, she was fantastic in that film. 
Here's question number three. The movie received four Oscar nominations, but which category was not one of them? Was it Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, Best Sound Mixing, or Best Editing? I believe it's Best Actor. Helen? That is correct. She's on a roll. Oh, you, know, you know about this movie. I just love it so much. Fun fact, <laughs> A Few Good Men did not win any of those Oscars, losing Best Sound to Last of the Mohicans and mm. the three others to Unforgiven. Oh, wow. Unforgiven. Interesting. All right, here's question number four. You still have your hints available. Oh, yeah. The screenplay, as you mentioned, was written by Aaron Sorkin based on his play. He also had a small part in the movie in a scene at a bar where he plays a character with what occupation? Hmm. Oh, I can have a hint. You can. Would you like your hint? I would. I think I might know it, but I, I'm, yes, I'd love my hint. Helen, how about that first hint? He's in a bar, and he passed the bar. Well, he's an attorney. Helen? That is correct. That is correct, yes. <laughs> and I got the sofa. <laughs> I'm with you. He's in the bar and he... Okay. <laughs> My one-year-old could have got that. <laughs> uh, fun fact, the original Broadway production featured Joshua Molina as Tom, Jessup's clerk, a role he reprised in the movie. The touring production starred Michael O'Keefe in the Tom Cruise role, and he appeared as an expert on Caddyshack in episode 127 of Go Fact Yourself. Ooh, Here's question number five. From the American... <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are like, okay, all right, if she doesn't go, bar at a bar, and the lawyer takes the bar. All right, if Ron don't know this question, every 40-year-old black man knows about Chesterfield. Oh, he knows about old sofas. He's got to know the name of classic furniture. <laughs> Here is question number five. Oh, boy. Ever from the American oh. Film Institute, an item in The Hollywood Reporter stated that 2,000 trailers for A Few Good Men were pulled from theaters when it was discovered they had not been approved to accompany films rated G, PG, or even PG-13. What image from the film did the Motion Picture Association of America deem unacceptable for general audiences? Uh, I'm going to need a hint. Helen, how about that hint? I'm not sleeping with my head on that. Again, I'm sorry. It seems to be furniture related. I hope that's... <laughs> and it's not a Chesterfield sofa. <laughs> no. Uh, I, you know, I, I, uh, I'd like to phone a friend. <laughs> I don't know. No, you don't know? Okay, no. I'm sorry. Chance for Ron to steal. Come on, Ron. I would love can nothing I, more get, than for you to get the, the hint. Helen, can you repeat the hint, please? I'm not sleeping with my head on that. What might you, what there's might she sleep on but with her head on? Pillows, of course. There might be something some, wrong with yeah, it. Oh, oh, bad pillow? Helen, is it bad pillow? I'm going to give it to you. It's a blood-splattered pillow. Oh. Which is pretty bad. A point for Ron, successful steal. That's one of the worst pillows. <laughs> 
Fun fact, it's a brief shot when Demi Moore turns down a bed sheet at the crime scene, revealing that blood-soaked pillow. The trailers showing that were replaced. By the way, the trailer ends with narration saying that one man will stop at nothing to find the truth, though as we've learned, he may not be able to handle it. All right, Ever, you did quite well on that, but now it is time for your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster oh, fact. I'm so nervous. We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. Ever, Tom Cruise's Daniel Caffey and Demi Moore's Joanne Galloway weren't alone in defending their clients. They were joined as co-counsel by fellow officer Sam Weinberg. For up to three points, what was the military rank of Sam Weinberg? What dish did Sam Weinberg inquire about when Joanne Galloway said she brought Chinese food? And who played Sam Weinberg? I don't know. He just always kept saying, I have no responsibility here whatsoever. Um, What's your favorite rank in, let's say, the U.S. Navy? Like a lieutenant sergeant. Lieutenant sergeant. Okay. And what's the second The second part was, uh, what item, what dish did uh, he inquire about when Joanne said that she brought Chinese food? He said, did you get any Kung Pao chicken? All right. I don't think that's right. And finally, who played Sam Weinberg in A Few Good Men? Um, oh, my God. How am I blanking on this right now? I believe in you. You know what? I, to- I, I, I feel very bad, but this is like one of those moments where I'm having a that's giant right. we, brain we, we fart. That's all We can all empathize with that. We've all had Thank a little you. test anxiety before, so no, no worries on that, but uh, no answer for that. All right. Well, Helen is taking note of the answers that you did give. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight via Zoom is an award-winning actor whose many credits include playing Sam Weinberg in A Few Good Men. It's Kevin Pollock. Hello, Kevin Pollock. He's so famous. I'm so embarrassed right now. This is like Don't the be. worst and best night of my life. I just want everyone to know that. Kevin, it's wonderful for you to join us. I am a huge fan. Uh, in addition to your work on A Few Good Men, which we'll talk about in a moment, people will know you as the longtime host of the Kevin Pollock Chat Show, movies including The Usual Suspects, Casino, my favorite movie of all time, Avalon. Some of your recent TV work includes Better Things, Billionaires, and The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. An amazing career. Thank you for that. You also host a podcast called My Mrs. Maisel Pod, where you go back and rewatch that uh, show as well. Yes, that is correct. It's a rewatch uh, podcast for fans of this um, worldwide phenomenon. The name of my book was How I Slept My Way to the Middle. <laughs> <laughs> Apropos, indeed. You seem to really love talking about your journey in show business. Have you always been a fan of show business stories, even before you were in the business? I think that's why I started doing that chat show you mentioned. Mm -hmm. We did 400 episodes over 10 years. Because I've always been fascinated with anyone's story. So I always read autobiographies, yeah. Very cool. Well, let's talk about A Few Good Men. Uh, Can you believe that that was 31 years ago that that movie came out? What what does that mean to you that it was uh, over 30 years ago? Because it it still seems something that's still in the culture. People know and love that film. Yeah, you know, it's one of those weird, if you have cable or any sort of access to an endless supply of content, you can't go around the dial, which is what we called it 40 years ago, without (laughs) stumbling across A Few Good Men. Mm -hmm. It's in heavy rotation. Uh, everywhere, and it's one of those. So, but listen, the fact that ever said if if it comes on, there goes her day. That's the greatest compliment. Oh, you weren't in the play, were you? No, I uh, started out as a stand-up comedian. Like uh, I was asked to do a couple of Broadway shows over the last thirty plus years, and uh, I never understood why I would want to share the stage. I love it. <laughs> 
<laughs> Spoken like a true stand-up comic. <laughs> here, here. Yeah. But did you read for the role? That's my question. Or did you? Were you asked no, to do it? That that was one of those bizarre, uh, right place, right time. Yeah. I was doing a um, short live summer series that Rob Reiner and Christopher Guest had created that nine people saw. But while we were shooting it, I was would have lunch with Rob every day in his trailer. And one day he said, uh, you know, my next movie is was this big, big Broadway hit. And um, I got Tom Cruise. I think I'm going to get Jack Nicholson. But there's this part of Tom's co-counsel that you're kind of perfect for. I've got an offer out to Jason Alexander, but if Seinfeld gets picked up to season two, <laughs> he won't be available. And so uh, you, this would be great. And the, I've never prayed for another person's success. Uh, as <laughs> and so it was uh, a bizarre moment in time that wildly benefited both Jason Alexander and myself. A <laughs> win-win. Uh, you said that your experience on A Few Good Men, even though you had been in a lot of movies uh, before then, was, was equivalent to being brought up to the majors. Uh, what did you mean by that? And, and how was it so much different than what you had done up to that point? Yeah, I mean, I'd already died in Denzel's arms and Ricochet, every boy's dream. Um, <laughs> Barry Levinson's Avalon, as you mentioned, and Steve Martin's L.A. Story. I'd done some some pictures, but A Few Good Men was the first time I was just surrounded by many juggernaut uh, stars, uh, sort of at the apex, and or one of the apexes in the case of Jack. What I probably meant was before that film, I was auditioning, and after that film, it was off her own. Oh, that's very cool. Uh, well, let's talk about uh, being in the room watching Jack Nicholson do this incredible scene. Um, I had heard that uh, he would give that monologue several times for all of the different camera takes, but then there were other scenes where he wasn't there and you would fill in for him? Uh, kind of. So uh, uh, Jack worked a total of 10 days on the movie. Uh, I found out later for $5 million. And I wonder when you make half a million dollars a day, do you hit the snooze alarm? <laughs> <laughs> or do you race to to, to, ch to clock in yeah when he did the courtroom scene the famous soliloquy mm -hmm. um on the stand he shot that you know with all the various camera angles it took days and days and on the last day they got to about noon and rob realized he wasn't going to finish with jack and so he had to go to jack and say look I'm definitely not going to finish you today, but is there any way I can get you to come back tomorrow? I promise to get you out at noon on the dot. Obviously, we can't afford to pay you to come back for another day, so I'm really asking for this insane favor. And Jack uh, said yes. Um, Every said it this way. Uh, yeah, sure, Robbie. <laughs> um, and then uh, thank you, Kevin Pollack. Sure, it's an unfair advantage I might have. So I had, I had driven home every night from set doing that soliloquy in the rearview mirror. I'd already been doing Nicholson in my stand-up act. I always did impersonations. And so I, I had been running the lines not realizing I would need them because the very next day came, and at 12 noon exactly, Rob shut down the set and said, that's a wrap on Jack. And at that point, the camera was shooting Jack's POV of the judge, and, and so I went to Rob, as everyone was saying goodbye to Jack, and said, listen, if AJ, the actor playing the judge, wants me to do the off-camera lines as Jack, I don't want to mess him up, and I'm certainly not trying to perform for the crew. I just, if it would be helpful to him, mm -hmm. 
I would do that and I would hold the side so I don't screw up even though I've memorized it. And so that's what happened. And then wow. the best compliment was a couple of days later back then they watched dailies, which would be the rushes or the mm -hmm. scenes that were shot two days before they would finally come out and be available to watch on film. And so Rob, a couple of days later, said, I was watching dailies last night of Jack's last half day. And I have to tell you, it was about three takes into the off-camera that I realized it was no longer him. It was you. <laughs> oh, that's so great. That's fantastic. Yeah. You mentioned that uh, you had already had a Jack Nicholson impression that you did in your act. Did, uh, did working with him, being in the same room with him, uh, help change the impression at all? Well, I always love the conversational version of any impression. I don't mm -hmm. like the when you lean on it. Mm -hmm. um, being around him... Uh, did help me sort of center and calm down the impressions and impression of him and not lean into it so much. And just that sort of conversational thing that he does that's, well, considerably more interesting to me than the crazy Nicholson that people mostly do, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, very yes. nice. Wow. So subtle. Last thing I want to ask you about, uh, as I was uh, researching for this segment, uh, on your on your Wikipedia page, under Kevin Pollack, it says, not to be confused with Kevin Pollack, ice hockey official. Have you ever been confused with Kevin Pollack, the ice hockey official? Only by me. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> yes. the It was the uh, ice hockey official who played Sam Weinberg. In the, oh, interesting. Uh, um, so I get photographs uh text and and tweeted to me of this official mm -hmm. i can't imagine an ice hockey official being that famous that they would be like oh 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 you mean that kevin bollock <laughs> so here's good news he's not famous at all oh very good <laughs> uh, all right well let's get to the reason we brought you here as far as our game is concerned you heard the question that we asked of ever first we wanted to know when it came to sam weinberg in a few good men what was the military rank of that character helen what did ever say ever said lieutenant sergeant and kevin lieutenant lieutenant yeah. that's a point there we'll give ever a point very nice thank you Next, we want to know what dish did Sam Weinberg inquire about when Joanne said she brought Chinese food? Helen, what did Ever say? Ever said Kung Pao chicken. And Kevin? Bring any Kung Pao. Mm -hmm. Kung Pao is mm -hmm. correct. That's another point. Very good. That was improvised. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then finally, we want to know who played Sam Weinberg. We now know that uh, Ever was not able to come up with the answer. <laughs> but Kevin, who did play Sam Weinberg in A Few Good Men? Um, Are you blanking? Uh, a, I just know that he's a multi-award winning actor. <laughs> Started as a stand-up comedian. Um, Not an ice and, hockey official. And, and as it turns out, has the same name as an ice hockey official. official. That's right, of course, it is Kevin Pollack. Very nice. Yay! Ever, before we let Kevin go, anything else you'd like to ask or say to him? This is such a treat. And if you're, I don't know if you live in L.A. or New York, but thank you for being here. I'd love to, like, talk about A Few Good Men with you anytime. <laughs> this is, like, the greatest treat uh, to yeah, me. Yeah. I just, I love the stories. I love your performance. I adore you as, as an actor. And I just thank you for being here and doing this so much. Well, I was happy to be here for you in any capacity. And I would be happy to further the conversation over coffee. So, uh, sure. Hell, why not? Yes! Yay! We made friends. Kevin, if people want to find out Can more I about you. Can I say something? Yes, Kevin? go ahead, Ron. Do you want to okay. come? Um, we'll get there. <laughs> 
Kevin, I don't say I, I've never, I had not seen the movie, but I do know your work very much and just know your history as a stand-up comedian and as a person who is also a stand-up comedian who takes the craft of acting pretty seriously. I just want to say that I look to people like you as uh, proof that it can be done, that you can thrive in both of those areas and not only just comment on the world, but be able to live in the scene as well. And so I really appreciate just being able to meet you and talk with you. And even though I had not seen the movie, yes, I would love to come for coffee. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's do that. Perfect. This sounds like it's going to be a very nice coffee. It is. Yeah. Kevin, it's been wonderful to have you join us. If people want to find out more about you or what you're up to, where can they do that? Yeah, check however you get podcasts. My Mrs. Maisel Pod. Uh, follow me on the various socials. I'm so lame on Instagram. I'm Kevin Pollock one two three. See <laughs> Pollock. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's so wonderful that you joined us today, everyone. It's Kevin Pollock. Thank you, Kevin Pollock. Thank you so much, Kevin. What a treat. All right, Helen, what is our score as we head into the final round? At the end of that round, Ron Funches has eight and a half points, and Ever Carradine has 11 and a half points. All right, Ooh. now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements, and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Ron and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, please answer each statement with true or false. Here we begin. Ron, the neighborhood we are in right now is called Silver Lake. True. Correct. Ever, there's a nearby reservoir called Silver Lake Reservoir. True. Correct. Ron, the Silver Lake Reservoir was named after someone named Lake. False. Correct. Ever, it was named after someone named Silver. Sure, yeah. Correct. Ron, that someone was Robert Silver. Why not? True. <laughs> Incorrect. Ever, that, sure. someone was, that someone was named Herman Silver. Yeah. Correct. Well, it's bound to be now. It's not, gonna, yeah. Yeah. It's not Ron, Kevin Pollock. <laughs> Ron, Herman Silver designed the Silver Lake Reservoir. True? Incorrect. No, Herman Silver was waterboard commissioner. The reservoir was designed by William Mulholland. Oh, oh. Ever. <laughs> ever. The reservoir is over 100 years old. True. Correct. Yes, from 1906. Ron, before it was called Silver Lake, this area was called Ivanhoe. I think that's True. Correct. Ever. There was an Ivanhoe Reservoir in this area. False. Incorrect. No, it's right next to Silver Lake Reservoir. Ron, the Ivanhoe Reservoir is named after Herman Silver. False. Correct. And finally, Ever, it was named after Herman Ivanhoe. True. Incorrect. No, we're not going to count those last two. Let's give a nice hand to Ever Carradine (laughs) and Ron Funches. As Helen tabulates the final score. By the way, Ab- Ivanhoe Reservoir was likely named for the area called Ivanhoe Canyon or Ivanhoe Hills, as well as a township called Ivanhoe, all of which likely came from the novel by Sir Walter Scott. Uh, Helen, are you ready to announce the final score on today's show? I am at the end of the game. Ron Funches has 11 and a half points, and Ever Carradine has 15 and a half points. Congratulations, Ever Carradine. You are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. Ever, what will you do with your championship? What would I do? I'm just going to write I heart Kevin Pollock over and over and over again. Excellent. I'm sure he'll appreciate that. All right. I want to give anyone on the panel a chance to mention or promote anything they might like. Ron, where can people see you and what you're up to? Um, I'm just traveling around doing stand up and just you can see me usually every Sunday at the um, Studio City Farmer's Market. Just like (laughs) searching for, you know, plum plum cots and... (laughs) Heirloom tomatoes. Okay. If you want to see my comedy, uh, you go ronfunches.com is where you can find out where I'm performing. Just Ron Funch on Instagram. Um, but other than that, you know, I stand with you and not promoting anything. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're so happy that you joined us tonight. Ron Funches, everybody. Woo!
Ever Carradine, where can people find what you're up to? Uh, you can find me on the socials. Uh, Official Ever Carradine on Instagram. And don't go to unofficial Ever Carradine. Don't do it. Don't do it. And you can find me um, on the picket line every day here in town. And uh, hopefully you can find me on a dystopian in the dystopian future. Excellent. Well, you've made our present very pleasant. Thank you. Ever Carradine, everybody. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you are so lucky because my hosting partner is Helen Hall. Yay! You can follow me on all the socials at funny Helen Hong. Don't follow at Helen Hong. She's not the funny one. Not funny, not official, but this one is Helen Hong, everyone. Yay. And me, you can find me on whatever X is going to be called at J underscore Keith and on all the other socials at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Ron Funches, Ever Carradine, Keith Thibodeau, Kevin Pollack, and thank you for listening and supporting our show at MaximumFun.org. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Yay! Like what you hear? Come see us live. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. Meanwhile, please like us on Facebook, follow us on all the socials at GoFactorPod, update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com, and buy our T-shaped shirt and mug-shaped mug at MaxFunStore.com. And give us a great review on your favorite podcast platform, like Feisty Girl did on Apple Podcasts. He, she, or they said, in the podcast sweet spot, the tone is amusingly light and breezy and delightfully free of snark. Thanks, Feisty Girl. You can tell we're free of snark because I didn't point out that you actually wrote a mustingly. Helen? Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from the Lyric Hyperion in Los Angeles. Questions were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. We are produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor and secretly Spider-Man and or Superman is Julian Burrell. Our show engineer is Dave McKeever. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Research assistance provided by Adam Needif. Quiz assistance provided by Bart Gold and Clint Tauscher. Promotional graphics by Erich Tran. Promotional videos by Annie LaFerrier. Live show photography by Christine Vallada. Live show stage management by Dave Bianchi. Special thanks to the Lyric Hyperion team, Rachel, Tasha, Jake, Mike, and Sean. Melanie Truitt-Posain at Truett Management. Craig Schneider at Pinnacle Public Relations. And Sam Levine. I've been Helen Hong! Let's go watch I Love Lucy! And a few good men! While we sit on our Chesterfield. <laughs> a what? Maximum Fun. A worker-owned network of artist-owned shows supported directly by you.